Good morning, friends. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. And Lord, we thank you for your presence with us and the fact we can be together, even if remotely. And Lord, as we come before your word now, would you strengthen us? In Jesus, we pray. Amen. It was Sunday, the 14th of February, Valentine's Day, and the vicar was looking out across his congregation. And he noticed Gerald, a 29-year-old, sitting down, his head bent forward, hands across his face, looking as though he was just oozing discouragement. And so after the service, the vicar caught a quick word with Gerald and said to him, Gerald, what's the problem? You, you look really downcast. And Gerald said, I am vicar. He said, every time I meet a woman that I really like and I bring her home, my mother decides she doesn't like her. What on earth can I do? Vicar thinks to himself, uh, just remote and thinks, well, it's not rare for mothers to react like that with girlfriends of their sons. But he has an idea and he says to Gerald, Gerald, try this. He said, why don't you go out and look for a woman who looks like your mother, who dresses like your mother, who speaks like your mother? Your mum's bound to go for her then. Gerald's face lights up. He thinks, wow, that's a fantastic idea. And he walks off with a spring in his step. A month later, the vicar again looks out across his congregation and he catches sight of Gerald. And Gerald again is looking really downcast with his, his head bent forward, looking very dis disheveled and discouraged. So he catches a word with him after the service and says, Gerald, what's the problem? We have this great plan. And Gerald said, you know, Vicar, it's a fantastic plan. And miraculously, I met the girl of my dreams. You know, she looks like my mother. She dresses like my mother. She sounds like my mother. And what's more, she even cooks like my mother. And I brought her home, but there's a problem. And so the Vicar said, well, Gerald, what's the problem? He said, well, the situation is this. He says, my mother loves her but my father can't cope with her. You know, discouragement is a killer. It's a killer of vitality. It's a killer of joy, isn't it? And inevitably, I think during this pandemic, you know, it will have hit us all to some degree. And for some people, very acutely, I'm aware. And this morning, Valentine's Day 2021, I want us simply to focus our thoughts on encouragement. And let's be clear at the outset that to encourage is not to deny difficult issues that might need to be faced. It's not about spin. It's not about flattery. But actually, it's about seeking intentionally to strengthen, to build up another person, literally to pour in courage into that person to, that, so that it will produce hope in their hearts. You know, encouragement Genuine encouragement is something really weighty and of substance. And in the two passages that Amanda read to us, we're given three angles on how to encourage one in these times. So if you've got Bibles near you, please grab them and turn to 1 Samuel 30, to the first passage that um, Amanda read. And in verse 6, we read this. 
But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now that's an easy sentence to read, but let's try and understand the wider context uh, in a bit more depth. If we take ourselves back to 1 Samuel 16, David has been left in the fields. The great prophet Samuel has come into the town to anoint the next king of Israel. And David is eventually called in from the fields and totally unexpectedly, he's anointed as Paul, a Saul's successor. And in the next chapter, 1 Samuel 17, David uh, claims a great victory for the Israelites as he defeats the, the giant Goliath. And actually, it's from that point onwards that he's invited into Saul's court. And he seems to be in the king's favour. But jealousy begins to flare up in, in Saul's heart. And this is where David's discouragement begins. Saul is so jealous that David is forced to flee from the, from the palace. He loses his home and his security. And then we read that he loses his wife, Michal, as well. And just a bit later, he loses contact with his soulmate, Jonathan. And not long after that, he loses his spiritual mentor, as Samuel dies. And then David is forced to flee from the country and he ends up in Gath. And you've heard of Gath because Gath is where Goliath came from. So no, that's not a safe sanctuary for David and he's forced to flee from there. And so we find him next in 1 Samuel 22 in the cave, in a cave at Adjulam. And Whilst he's in, the, in that cave, he's joined from a whole group of kind of misfits, other fugitives and lost souls. And this fragile community begins to build and they eventually make their home at Ziglag. And that's where we reach our passage in 1 Samuel 30. And at the beginning of 1 Samuel 30, we discover that David and, and a big group of men are away and in their absence, the Amalekites attack. And as they attack, they burn down the houses of, of the families there and they take captive all the men's wives and children. So that when David and his men return, they are devastated. And in fact, they are so devastated that the men even begin to talk about stoning David. You know, David has faced a complete pandemic of discouragement. And what's his response? It's that verse that we read, 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And as we look at David's example, I want us to think, how do we learn to encourage ourselves? How do we learn to strengthen ourselves in the Lord? When, when we're in those places of deep discouragement. And David gives us a number of insights. And the first one is this. Do you know, we need to learn to name our discouragements openly before the Lord. Whilst David was in the cave at Adjulam, he wrote Psalm 142. And, you know, please turn to that in your Bibles, either now or some other time. And you'll see that under the title, there's a subtitle, which simply says this, when he was in the cave. 
David poured this prayer, this song out to God when he was in the cave. And let's hear these first two verses. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell him my trouble. You know, David is naming his discouragement to the Lord. There's raw honesty here. And for, for us British people, that can feel uncomfortable. But it's a, it's a key step that we need to learn to take. Because our Heavenly Father wants us as his children to be that honest with him, to name those discouragements to him. And as we do that, it's interesting, naming our discouragements somehow robs them of some of the power that they seem to hold over us if we allow them to. Because it means they're, they're not as elusive as they felt as though they were to deal with. Naming them disempowers them. So we need to learn to name them. Secondly, David shows us that even in the place of discouragement, we can affirm God's goodness and the truth that he sees us. You know, a, a danger when we're in a metaphorical cave is that, you, you know, we can feel as though our, our whole reality is defined by our discouragements. But actually, we need to remind ourselves that God is still good. His presence is with us and that he sees us. And David does this in the next verse, in verse three. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you, Lord, who watches over my way. As we affirm that truth, the truths of God's goodness, his presence and his promises, just as Fee was, was saying in our welcome last week, do you know that builds encouragement within us? And a third step that we can take is actually to take positive action. You know, in the face of a deluge of discouragement, it's seductively easy to, to feel paralysed or helpless, a bit like a rabbit in caught in headlights. And I'm sure many of you have felt that at times. Do you know, it's interesting, David does the opposite. You know, having encouraged himself in the Lord, we read this. David said to Abiathar, bring me the ephod. And he inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? You know, if you want to read more about an ephod, turn to Exodus 28. Aaron was commanded there to make an ephod for the high priest. It was a breastplate with 12 precious stones on it that the high priest was encouraged to put on when seeking guidance from the Lord. David does this and he senses God's response in this way. God saying to him, yes, get up and go, take action and pursue them. And you know, that might be a word in season for some of you watching today, that now's a time actually to take a positive step. You felt a bit paralyzed and helpless, but now's the time to take a positive step. And it might be a positive step in saying, Lord, help me to trust you more for that difficult situation. It might be that you know you need to make a phone call to begin to take steps towards playing your part in seeking reconciliation in a bruised relationship. It could be signing up 
for an online course that, that will help you to grow in some way. It might be a decision you take to journal and pray specifically once a week for a dream you felt God had given you, but has seems to have got stalled. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God, and we need to learn to do that ourselves. A second angle that these readings give to us is to encourage one another. You know, as you, as you see that, the painting come up on your screens. I'm sure you will remember this, this lovely evocative painting that James Bright did and used in his online prayers last summer. I love it. And those children sitting, you know, shoulder to shoulder, it reminds me of um, the, st the sayings we hear repeatedly in the New Testament about one another's, love one another, support one another, pray for one another, you know, carry one another's burdens and supremely in this season, encourage one another. You know, more than in any other season I've known during our, our, our years here at SML, this feels a season where we need to encourage one another as creatively and as imaginatively as we can. And so much of that is happening 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, you know, that resonates with our experience at, at the moment. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. But our second passage in Romans 15 takes that one step further. We read, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify our God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, what Paul is saying here is that encouraging might seem simple, but actually it's holy business. Encouraging leads to glorifying God. So please, just for a moment, I'd love you to pause and I'd love you to think of one other member of SML that you can encourage either today or certainly by the end of Tuesday, because if you're like me, you'd have forgotten if you wait any longer. And you could encourage them through a WhatsApp, through a text, through a phone call, an email, send a card, perhaps drop around some chocolates or flowers, whatever's appropriate. And if no one comes to mind at the moment, just ask the Holy Spirit and he will nudge you. He'll bring a name to you. Encu let's encourage one another well. And our third angle that these passages bring to us is to encourage our neighbours. You know, reading Romans 15 over the past fortnight, you know, I was especially drawn to verse two. Each of us should please our neighbours for their good to build them up. And, you know, Paul is clearly here suggesting one very practical outworking of Jesus' repeated teaching about loving our neighbours. And, you know, isn't that what our communities need almost more than anything else in, at this time? You know, one small example is that you, we've had a lot of contact with the chaplains at Paul Hospital uh, over this last lockdown. And a one request from them that we received actually came through Bishop Karen was that the frontline staff 
at the hospital who have been so exhausted, you know, would really be encouraged by some box of chocolate. You know, dentist, close your ears for a minute. And so Liz Rolleston, I kindly on behalf of us all, um, sent round this parcel that you'll, you'll see on the screen. Just a tiny token to encourage them. It's interesting, I heard yesterday that at the University of California, they've carried out some research about how isolated people can take steps to beat loneliness during lockdown. And do you know the most, the most potent step that people can take is small acts of kindness. Do you know that shouldn't surprise us, should it? Encourage our neighbours. And do you know what? As we encourage and bless our neighbours one by one, in the Lord's extraordinary way, that kind of begins to create an intrigue, a fascination about our faith. And do you know, I've experienced this, you know, quite a bit recently, especially with some neighbours who are just a handful of doors down the road who are also dog walkers and have wanted to ask quite a few questions um, as I bumped into them dog walking. And it reminds me of um, a very telling verse in Acts 19, which is translated like this in the message. You'll see it on the screens. Curiosity about Paul developed into reverence for the master Jesus. And in the spirit's extraordinary ways, isn't that what we want more than anything else? So let's look to encourage our neighbours well in these times. Just in closing, as Christ followers, you know, we are disciples. We're always learning. We're always learning from our master Christ. We're walking in his footsteps as pilgrims. And some of you will remember a, a great hymn uh, entitled To Be a Pilgrim, based on the words of, of John Bunyan. And one refrain has been in my mind over the last couple of days. There's no discouragement shall make him once relent his first avowed intent to be a pilgrim. May that mark you and me, because genuine encouragement is holy business. It's life-giving water in a thirsty land. And so let's grow in our ability to encourage one in these days, to encourage ourselves, encourage one another, and encourage our neighbours for Jesus' glory. Amen.